Hello, Fempreneurs. My guest on the podcast today is Hannah Marie Mackinen. She is an animal communicator, an end-of-life educator, and uh, I, I don't know about you, but I've been bombarded with some feelings of grief and loss lately, not specifically tied to the loss of um, loved ones, but just to the loss of some of the freedoms and uh, just the ability to even, you know, have Fempreneur events and bring Fempreneurs together live. I've been struggling a little bit with that and I was listening to uh, my other favorite podcast, <laughs> one that I don't produce, which is the Tim Ferriss Show. And he was interviewing someone on this subject and it was really bringing to mind a lot of the conversations that I've had with Hannah over the years. I've known her for a couple of years now. And I wanted to bring her here on the podcast to share some of her stories and insights. So if you've been dealing with the loss of a loved one or the loss of some freedoms or some experiences you were looking forward to, this episode is going to give you some strategies, some ideas, and, and just you know ways to shift your mindset around some of these, these challenging times that we're experiencing. And uh, I know you're gonna love it, so let's dive in. Life just kind of leads you on, on a course and on a way, and life has led me that way. And, and uh, hindsight, I'm so grateful, is always 2020 because looking back, I really see how I've ended up where I am. Um, you know, being an end of life educator and an animal communicator, and then um, just rebranding and renaming my business to end and after um, animal communications because it really is all about new beginnings. And you can't have a beginning until there's an end. And uh, just because there is an end, it doesn't mean that there isn't a beginning to come from that. And looking back, um, a lot of my childhood, there was a lot of traumatic um, animal endings that we had, like animal losses. And, um, you know, back then, my parents didn't have the, the wherewithal. And... Um, to discuss those or handle them. And animals were seen as um, just, literally just a dog or a cat or a horse and didn't have the same significance um, that a lot of us um, find and know that they have now. And we see beyond that. But um, I really think a lot of those losses shaped me and left me with a lot of anxiety and fear and unanswered questions a lot of unanswered questions and made me um, really scared of growing old, um, end of life, and even death. And interestingly enough, um, people have always said, and I know they've meant it in the kindest way, but they're like, wow, you're really a death magnet. And I'm like, well, I don't really know how to take that. Um, because a lot of people just naturally approached me during a death of a friend or a family member or um, one of their animals or they were going through an illness or they had a terminal diagnosis and they reached out to me and I've just naturally just fallen into place to be there and just support and it's a place that many people are not comfortable and I'm actually very comfortable in that space and place. And I've learned over time that this has literally become a natural calling. And it's, it's really quite, um, it's, I, I have learned that through death and dying, um, the greatest gifts come because we really learn to appreciate 
the preciousness of life. And we look at our own mortality and, and the animals that I communicate with um, have really taught me a lot. And also, you know, going through the death of my own father um, three and a half years ago, um, my work helped me through that. And um, he also helped me with my work. And I'm presently walking um, an end of life journey with my mom right now. But I have such, such a different perspective. And with each loss, um, we have options and how we want to choose to move through them. And it doesn't mean that it's going to be like death is not meant to be easy. Absolutely not. Um, but there's just better, I don't know if the right word is coping. I don't feel like it's the right word, but it's the only word that's coming to me right now, but just better coping skills and better resources out there because we are mm -hmm. a death phobic society. And I would say really mm -hmm. even a grief illiterate society. And this is the topic um, I'm not afraid to talk about and call it for what it is and, and share my knowledge about it. That's how I ended up here, because I love it. <laughs> yeah, and that's the thing that's so, and so I was listening to this podcast like a week or two ago, whenever that was, and um, you know, this woman was talking about finding the beauty in death and finding the new yeah. beginning because every death represents a new beginning of sorts. And you, and you know, obviously I've done quite a bit of work on your website over the last year. So I've read all the testimonials from all those people. And I know the gifts that you have, and I've heard, you know, them explained in so many different people's words. So I really just wanted you to come on and and have a conversation with me about the things that you know and the things that you've learned and even just, you know, a little inspiration and guidance for people who are feeling the pain right now of some sort of loss and help them uh, perhaps find the beauty in it and the new beginning. Um, but I would like you to tell any story from your childhood just to give us a little more perspective of who you are and why you care um and maybe just to of course make you more relatable <laughs> what what give us one of the stories from your childhood of when you felt like maybe the people around you could have done better had they had more of this type of education um i'm, I'm gonna go back to when i was 10 and um my very first dog was this Irish setter named Rex. And my father brought him home. He was like four to six weeks. No, he must have been at least six weeks. Um, and I just fell in love with him. I like kidnapped him and hid him in my jacket. And I took him to school in grade four. And I hid him out in the girl's bathroom and had all the you know all my classmates come and see him and you know grade four you don't really do show and tell but I had show and tell because I had like the coolest little puppy ever and um, we lived in a small town and uh, as Rex grew he was just a really high energy dog and I still absolutely loved him didn't see any problems but my parents were really struggling with him um, there wasn't a lot of training or obedience that was done. And um, I remember one day after dinner, just randomly, no preparation whatsoever, my father said, oh, our neighbors who live out in the country um, are coming to take him to live with them. Just like that. And I was like, 
what you're taking my best friend away like I've just raised this little guy he's just probably maybe he was about a year so and I mean I just broke my little girl heart it still breaks my heart to think about it this day my, my parents thought she's too attached we just gotta do it like this and get the dog out and literally half an hour later these friends showed up at the door I'm this meltdown 10 year old that you've got to pull away from the dog and I go run to my bedroom and sob um, for days I was absolutely inconsolable and then he was taken away and I was just lost just lost you like it, it was like limbs had been torn off of me and there was no explanation, there was no discussion, there was no closure, there was nothing. And then three months later, um, there's a phone call. And, you know, my dad is like, oh, I see. Oh, I see. But I can see this look on his face and I'm like, mm. and then I heard him mention, you know, our dog's name and I'm like, okay, now this is seriously piquing my interest. So I found out that he, you know, he was now out in the country, but he had started a habit of chasing cars and he got hit by a car and was killed. Um. So that's what they had told me. And again, that, that wound that had just started to heal with an ugly scab but it was leaving a scar behind, literally got ripped off and made even bigger. And I was more distraught. And again, no closure, uh, no explanation other than this is life, things happen, uh, buck up, carry on. Okay, you're a girl, you can cry, you know, versus my brother, like, okay, well, boys don't cry. So at least, at least I got to cry. Um, and I was just so despondent, lost, and it left such a hole in my heart. And, you know, it, it definitely brings up abandonment issues and just knowing that something so sudden can happen. And, you know, now as an adult looking back, I can go back and see that. And I can have empathy for my parents. Um, they didn't know any different. They just did what they, they thought was best for me at the time. Um, there's no, no regret over any of that, but um, it, it leaves a wound to be healed. And that again, I mean, I, I have several stories like that. You know, I have a horse when I was 17. Um, I was supposed to be going to um, Spruce Meadows Junior Nationals. And um, in a three day eventing course, um, he fractured his patella. And I had to make the decision at that time, because um, that was the best decision at the time, was to, um, to put him down. And I was 17, and my parents said, he's your horse, it's your decision. So I basically felt I was um, ending the life of, again, my, my best friend. Mm -hmm. And I really didn't have a lot to do with horses for 30 years until I started um, in animal communication and literally 30 years later in the studying of animal communication and my work um, that wound 
of the grief that I felt at 17 that I did not have any of the skills to deal with at that age, I now could 30 years later. And I actually grieved that loss from then. So what I want people to know is our childhood losses, the reason some of these present day losses are so hard or they open up our heart, that they open up an old wound that we thought we'd healed is actually coming back up for us to look at and see how we can heal it now with adult eyes and new information. Okay. So yeah, there's a lot. So being triggered and feeling past pain and feeling that familiarity isn't a sign that we've done something wrong or that we have to run from it. It's a sign that we need to really lean into it. Is that kind of what you're saying? And kind of like yeah. feel the feels like, and, and how do you walk someone through that as a, as well, a, someone who helps people with that feeling? Yeah. First thing I, first thing I want to really address is um, in grief and loss, there is no such thing as right or wrong. There are no mm. right emotions or wrong emotions. They're just emotions. And mm. I want people to know that there's no right way to grieve. We all have our own unique way, just like our own unique fingerprint. We have our own way to grieve. We have our own way to deal with emotions. And I just want people to, to feel okay that how they're walking through their grief is exactly the way they're supposed to go through it, regardless of what other people's opinions are. Their opinions don't matter because it's what you need. And that, that's the first mm -hmm. thing I really wanna want people to know that that's what matters. There is no right or wrong. It's just your way in, in grieving that. How do I work with people who are in those situations? Um, the beautiful part is I get to connect with their animal on a telepathic level and do animal communication. And in connecting with their animal, um, the gifts and lessons that their animals have for their people is what I get to share with them. And what I've learned in my communications with animals is they honestly have no attachment to their physical body. They don't fear death. They're actually teaching me and the animals that I'm connecting with and my own animals that I have um, really bring me to a place of peace and acceptance. It doesn't mean that people aren't sad or that you know their pain doesn't go away, but what I have found in the communication sessions that people have had with me is they have all said, they just feel a greater sense of peace and acceptance. And that helps them in um, working through their pain and their emotions over the grief and the loss, because we are meant to feel pain. I, I really look at it as grief. Um, it doesn't feel like it in the moment. It's gut-wrenching, um, but really grief cracks open our heart so wide. I equate it to like shutter doors being blown off and our heart is so raw. And that, if we can take that rawness 
and feel those emotions and walk with them to find our way through it, we can actually go through grief in a healthier way when we can see our emotions because that's connecting us to our heart. And a really big thing I, equ I equate with that when we want to remember those memories of our animals um, or connect with them in the afterlife, because that's possible as well, is when we can feel our pain and we give ourselves permission, and then when we can match that pain with an equal amount of love from a beautiful memory that we have from our animal, we can actually allow the healing to begin and we can open ourselves up to a whole different world of possibility of connection. Um, I have amazing connections um, in the afterlife with my father and my grandmother and some of my other animals and the messages that they send to me through what I, little angels, be they people, um, be they wild animals. Um, it just comes out and I just know, like I just get a little giggle every time going, oh my gosh, that was, that was my dad or, oh wow, that was my, my grandma just showing up or my grandpa or I get a mysterious letter in the mail three years later, which is information about, you know, my dad. And I'm like, how did a classmate in Finland from when my dad was a teenager track me down and send me information? Like to me, Things like that is just, there's a higher power working to just give these little reminders and gifts. And that's the biggest thing that I learned when I was going through the death of my father. And I've learned this with the animals too, is just because they physically are no longer here, the most amazing part is our love never dies. They are physically not here, but love is intangible, but yet we feel it. So we can mm -hmm. still feel their love and the love that we have from the memories. And that's what fills our hearts. And that's what I find. I teach that to a lot of people as well when I'm working with them. And they have said that being able to connect that way, again, leaves them to such a place of peace and acceptance. And they notice their, their fear lessens because a person cannot be in a place of love and fear at the same time. You're in mm -hmm. one or the other, but not both. So when you're in fear or when you're in pain, if you can take that moment and think of a loving memory that just fills your heart with love and joy, that's just that little antidote right there that starts the whole healing process and takes you out of your pain and fills your heart that you're like, okay, this is, this is all right. I'm going to be okay. Grief is like a storm. It comes in, it's like hurricane, tornado volume, but hurricanes and tornadoes don't last forever. Neither does the initial intensity of our grief. It just feels like it when we're in it. But yeah, and, and, I, and I think another I'm thing that, that I really, sorry, I think there's a bit no, of a delay, ahead. so I, I found 
Yes. I, don't, I didn't mean to cut you <laughs> off there. Okay. Um, like the, I think like the deeper and more intense the storm or the grief, it's, it's, it correlates to the deepness and intensity of the love, right? So you can't feel that grief without the love. They don't really, you can't separate exactly. one from the other. And I'd never really thought of it like that before. And I know you've yep. talked about these things before. So I just really wanted you to, so a couple things I'd really like you to speak to a little more. One is, um, oh, shoot, I just had it. I should have wrote it down. Um, one of the things is like, so when we, when we have an aging parent or an aging pet or an aging loved one, whatever type of creature they are, um, that loss of maybe their, like from, for me, and I know you're going through something like this too with your mom, but like with my dad, he doesn't know what's going on half the time. And it's just like, and he's alive, but it's so sad because it's like, you know, like, it's so hard. So like, how does how do people like, you know, you're saying you can you can, you can switch that sadness into um, feelings of love by by choosing to think about a memory. So I like that. But if you could speak more to that, I guess, maybe with the people that are the people or the animals that are still alive, but they're losing some form yeah. of their youth that makes us really sad. Like how? Yeah. So my, my, my dad um, died of Alzheimer's and um, I'm going through Alzheimer's or, you know, definitely a different type of dementia with my mom. So I'm, I'm going through, I've, I've been through it with dad and I'm in it again with my mom. So that's both our parents. And I just remember with dad, I asked a friend of mine whose father had, had died. Um, and I said, what do you wish if you could do something over what would you do and she goes i got too caught up in the bureaucracy and the rules and everything and i didn't spend the quality time i needed with my dad and i said right i'm gonna do that so when i was with my father and um that was quite uh, an interesting experience. My father was a do not resuscitate who was resuscitated and lived for 10 months. And I fought um, as his advocate to die with dignity for 10 months. And I had to do with bureaucracy of two provinces um, and deal with that. So I totally got the bureaucracy part, but I made a conscious choice to not let it take away the present moments that I was going to have with him. So every time I spent time with him, I had the conscious choice that this was quality. And I also knew it was precious. And I also knew it was going to be ending because he was losing his memory. He was forgetting mm -hmm. sometimes who I was. And I just took like, he really taught me how to live in the now even more so than the animals because all I had was each moment and conversation in the now. So I looked mm. at, asked myself, I'm like, okay, I have a choice. And there was days where some of those nows were extremely painful, but I'm like, I'll deal with my emotion after. I want to give him everything I've got because I want to literally savor this moment to the depth that I want because I want to create a memory. And I got to the point that he and I would have conversations and I'm like, oh, there's dad. Oh, 
there's his Alzheimer's. Oh, there's his spirit. And I could tell within sentences or words which one was which. And I just said it's purely magical. And I would find ways to make him laugh. And I knew he was my dad, but I also saw him as an old man whose memory was failing. And I just wanted to spend time with this old man who was my dad and who was slipping away from me and treat him with love and respect. And that's the same thing that I do with my mom. Like I, I videotaped a lot of my stuff with my dad and it doesn't mean I didn't cry. It doesn't mean that I didn't get sad or depressed um, or I would give all on a phone call or on a video call or in person and then I would go to my car and I would just sob. Because it is painful, it is hard. But what I learned through that is I stayed in joy with him And then I went to be with me. And in those moments that I was me, it's not that I wasn't me with him, but when I was in those moments, I allowed myself to go to my heart, feel that emotion, and let it out in the moment it needed to come out. I didn't lock it in. I didn't stuff it away. I would go cry, and then I'm like, okay, now I feel better. I, I used to be part of a, a community counselor um, for death doulas. Um, and our facilitator, uh, Sarah Kerr from Soul Passages, had said something that just has always stayed with me. And she said, when we emote and cry and let our pain out, so literally we sob, the primal cry, our ancestors are there waiting and they take our pain, they transmute it and give it back to us as energy. And that always stuck with me that when I started thinking of like, oh my goodness, every time I have a really good cry and I got in touch with that emotion, I feel like a spring rain after. I feel clear and I have more space. And what that taught me is when we can emote and be in touch with our emotion, then we create space because we have removed something that's been stuck in us or needed to come out. But then we create space for energy and new things to come in that it gives us energy to keep going. So when I was in the hospital in Ontario with my dad and, and you know, doing a lot of stuff to make sure that everything was working, my goodness, I must have cried five or six times a day. I would just like, I gotta go move through this. And I would go into the bathroom and I would like have this major cry. And then I'm like, right, now I got the energy to go deal with it. And then I would go back and I would be present and I would give him everything. But I was giving myself everything because I wanted to be present. And then when it got to be too painful, I'm like, okay. It was literally like going to the bathroom and having a dump. Let me go dump my emotions. Literally. And now it feels so much better. So now I'm going to go back and 
participate in being fully consciously aware with him wherever he is at. I wasn't there for my agenda. I followed his stories. He was like, I gotta have my passport. I'm being chased. I'm like, okay, well, let's get your passport. Like, I went to his reality. Yeah. And I do the same with my mom and her dementia. I go to her reality because that's real for them. Yeah, right. It's not about, it's not about me. I'll go deal with my reality after, but my reality right now is I want them to feel dignity. I want them to feel that they're not losing their marbles, even though they are losing their, their memory. But for them, mm -hmm. their sense of reality is their truth. Mm -hmm. And who would I be to break that? I'm not going to break it. I'm not going to tell them that they're wrong. I'm going to go along for the ride. So, you know, I put them in the driver's seat. So an Alzheimer's person in the driver's seat, right? I'm like, okay, dad, here you go. I'm going to try to read a map and navigate where we're going. But my gosh, we had so many great laughs because I had no expectation. I just let the Alzheimer's lead us where we needed to go. And it was great. I have so many hilarious memories and hilarious videos that now I look back at and um, they just make me smile. <sighs> Thank you for sharing all of that. And it's, uh, yeah. Oh, man. Um, so will you speak a little more to the part of the part of the grief and the loss when someone has passed? And um, maybe some of just the exercises, even the writing, the journaling, the, the meditations, anything that you can, I know there's no right or wrong, but if you can just give some people some tools that they can try that may or may not help them, you know, really feel the feels without the, without the agonizing pain, maybe to kind of move through it. Because I think most of us were raised to grin and bear it and to not show, you know, the weaknesses and that, and that grief and showing your grief is being weak. Cause I'm sure I'm not the only one that was kind of raised to think that. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Yeah. Can you speak to that for a few minutes? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, society does see crying as weakness. Um, and I just have the whole thought that when we can allow ourselves to be vulnerable in a situation or with another person that we feel safe with, we're actually showing true strength because it takes mm -hmm. courage to cry in front of someone else. But society has been taught to be uncomfortable. And a lot of people get uncomfortable when we see another person so devastated. So this is where I really um, have discovered the beauty of support groups, grief support groups, um, someone or someone else in a similar situation as yourself, because that ends up creating a common ground and a common connection. And when you have that connection, you can feel safe and, and share and you can live in this vulnerable place. But if you're just deciding like, you know, like, 
Okay, there, there's a couple times I was in the grocery store and all of a sudden the song from the 70s would come on and I'm like, oh, dad, this is a bad sense of humor right now. And I'm, I'm, I'm sobbing shortly after he's passed in the middle of the grocery store. And then I'm like, okay, whatever. You know, and some people are like, whoa, what's going on? And then I'm like, it's just part of my grief. I'm okay, whatever. I'll just cry and do my own thing. Um, but I see the uncomfortableness in, in others for it. And it's not their fault. Um, and that's, that's okay. It's just, we have to find our own comfort. So I'm just trying to think in the, like regards to exercise and tools. I'm actually just working right now on uh, another e-guide on, um, you know, it's a guide to beginning a connection with your beloved animal in the afterlife. And, uh, it talks a lot about, you know, the grief and, um, how we can connect and there's a few exercises that I that I have in there and a lot of it is also finding those memories of love um, finding those support groups finding a place to connect um, reaching out to people who, who can help you um, find that that peace um, I'm just trying to think other other things that I have um, Oh, yeah. It's just escaping my mind at this moment, but there, there's, there's lots of, yeah, I mean, I'm thinking back to, to the, to the, the things that you've written that I've, you know, had the privilege of yes. reading and, and, and just, <laughs> I'm thinking about some of those things right now. And, um, and, and, and to kind of what you just said, writing about the good memories. So just literally creating a short story from a memory, um, yeah. and just, yeah just turning it on the positive right of like i have this memory that makes yeah. me laugh or makes me smile that was such a wonderful experience and this is what i should be focusing on that i got to experience that and 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 writing about it i think i know for me writing about things is just so it's um it's like kind of like you said like taking a dump <laughs> Like a release, you know, <laughs> it, it, it is like, when, and when we can see it in front of us, um, it makes it um, really land in us. But the the other thing that I really want to um, also address is, yes, I talk a lot about the glasses half full and seeing the positive and turning to the love. I just want to make it clear that that is in no way saying don't feel your grief. Don't look at your grief. I'm not, I'm not, you know, being a proponent to ignoring your grief. I'm actually saying, grab it by the hand, walk together with it and write the story together because you can start your story out. I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm feeling really sad and I'm feeling in a place of grief, but write what you need to write. And I'm asking you, can you find the happy ending? Can you, and, and David Kessler is someone that I absolutely adore and follow and have read his books and he is amazing. And he has this great book out there called Finding Meaning, The Sixth Stage of Grief. And really that's what it is, is finding meaning. And for me, I'm calling it finding the happily ever after, finding it the end and after, what's the after? So the end, mm -hmm. yes, there's pain. We're going to move through it, but we're going to, we can write about it and we can share about it because our relationship 
with an animal, especially, needs to be validated. And the love and loss that we feel when they're no longer with us needs to be validated because it's still a grief and a loss. Society will accept the death of a person and the grief that you feel easier, I find, than they will over an animal. But I wanna say a grief is a grief. A loss is a loss. And if it's a loss that's important to you, then it's a loss that should be important to everyone. And when we can write about that and then find what was the purpose or the meaning of it at the end and write like a little happy ending. And that, that's typically just how I naturally write. And in my, I'm, I'm writing and in my process, I'm literally working my way through to get to the beauty of that pain that I just have gone through. And, and kudos to you really for, cathartic. yeah, and kudos to you for holding your regular events. Like I know about a year ago, you started holding these kind of like, you basically started a grief and loss support group <laughs> and you, you know, I, and I know how kind of stressful that can be to, to commit to holding these events and to fight through the internet issues and to, <laughs> deal with all that stuff and and I you know and I got to be at many of those events and I watched the magic happen and and just and a big part of the magic very kind of very similar to Semper marketing school is just like getting those people together just instantly just having them in the same place there's just something really um calming that happens for all of them and them feeling like they're in a safe place so, I mean, I think if someone's watching this right now and feeling like they need more Hana and they need more <laughs> grief and loss support and they need more people in their life that are going to be real about the pain and are going to actually try to feel the feels and, and, and think about the, the memories, even though there's a smile on your face and tears running down your face. Like if you need more of that, um, go to endandafter.com and, and, and Hannah is there. You can sign up for one of her free Zoom um, meetings where she gets a bunch of people together. You know, follow her on Instagram. She's a wealth of knowledge and just has a huge heart for all of you dealing with any kind of grief and loss because, you know, I, you've told a couple of your stories and I know there's so many more that, that I've heard and read about mm -hmm. in your in your writing. And um, so, yeah, so she's a wealth of knowledge and, uh, and definitely go read the testimonials on her website because they're just incredible. She's, she's a gifted lady and I'm just so honored that you took this time to, to share your knowledge with us and to just be real with us about the ickiness of crying in the grocery store. <laughs> oh yeah, it happens. It happens. <laughs> and I, I think the big thing is um, if everyone could really just give themselves permission to feel what they feel in the moment, no different than toddlers or our animals. Um, we wouldn't have um, blocks or grudges or things stuck in our body. We could be more free because we're just dealing with things in the now. Yeah. Thank you. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, 
I mean, this is a, this is an audience of entrepreneurs. Do you have anything you want to share with, with female entrepreneurs around, you know, pushing through and continuing to serve um, in this time that's so different from life a couple of years ago? Is there anything on your heart to share? Um, I think that the, the biggest thing is, is when you have your passion, just keep living it and um, moving forward with it. And um, don't be afraid to, to go out there and, and, and try. Um, I, I'm just thinking, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing another summit again at the end of the month with Kara Gubbins. And um, that's going to be coming out. And that just started, you know, no matter what is going on in life, if there's something that you're really passionate about, follow your heart and just do it because life is too short to not do it. Mm -hmm. And um, you have nothing to lose. If you get a no, oh, well, you got to know, go try something else. Just, just keep doing, I, I guess, really just keep doing you and make sure you're coming from a real place and you're enjoying it. Yeah. And um, you were one of my first ever podcast guests back in the day. <laughs> You, you, right. you and I worked out some of the kinks. I remember, I remember driving around recording the interview and uh, we ended up having to redo it because there was just too much background noise for a lot of it. But anyway, so if you are a subscriber to the Fem Career Marketing Podcast, you want to scroll all the way down to the oldest episodes from almost two years ago now and check out <laughs> the first ever interview with Hannah because your business building story, like really how mm -hmm. you kind of stumbled upon this career is in that episode. We didn't really go there today with the nitty gritty of how you started your business because that wasn't really the point of this interview. Yeah. But it is a very cool story for those of you watching who feel like you're being pulled down a path and you know you could monetize it, but you just don't know where to start. That episode where Hannah shares her story will definitely inspire you and give you some step-by-step yeah action steps to follow yeah 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 because you just yeah. you just follow follow your heart i do find it so interesting how animals really have been put on this earth to teach us things they are they have so much knowledge to share with us and um i mean obviously we have inner wisdom too that we don't listen to but <laughs> we can definitely um start with taking a look at the animals in our lives that are and sort of listening to what they're trying to tell us um and and you're really great at helping people uh translate the message so um if you have an animal in your life and you uh feel a little confused by their behavior um definitely reach out to Hannah she will help you uh she will help you decipher the message <laughs> Yes, because the, the animals, um, they always have a reason for why they are doing what they're doing. And um, I help to uncover the why. And then uh, we figure out, um, you know, I don't know if it's a solution per se, but we, we, found, we find out a way where, you know, people get a better understanding of what's going on. And then we look at, you know, what's the best way to, to approach it. And uh, it's really quite incredible the changes that, 
that happen. And in my opinion, our animals, I'm looking down here because Bosphorus is laying down here next to me. Um, I can hear him shake every once in a while. I, I know. <laughs> there, there are like, I want to see Boss. Put the camera on Boss. You want to see Boss? I'll put the camera on Boss. Yeah, can I want to see Boss. boss. I want to say hi to Boss. Hey, bud. Hi, Boss. Hey, hi, boy. Bud. How's it going? Oh. Yeah. What a cutie. Yes, he's, he's 11 this month. So, oh. so some, some people ask me about that. And I'm like, I, I understand the senior years of animals because I have a senior animal. Um, I will be walking the end of life journey with him as well. Um, and uh, that's something that I'll just be sharing with people because I, I want the end of life and death and dying to become the natural part of living that it is. It's a natural end mm -hmm. and natural part of life. And we will all experience it and we will all go through it. So I would love if we could have it where we're more open and receptive and feel safe and loved and held and not full of fear. And that, that's really my entire life purpose is if we can come into the world feeling held, I would love for all of us to be able to leave the world being held. And I think too, right now, not being able to be physically present with loved ones who, you know, for example, my dad, right? Like it kills me that I can't just go out there and be in the house or with- my mom. Him and my stepmom, you with your mom, right? Yeah. And it's yeah. like, I just yeah. find myself just praying a lot and, you mm -hmm. know, kind of just, just think, you know, just, just thinking about it and, and trying not to dwell on the negativity around it and just really just staying positive because what else can you do, right? Yeah. The, the, the biggest thing that, that I do is, uh, he's shaking again. The biggest thing that I do is um, with mom is, you know, we can still have a few phone calls, but I just hold her in my heart and I send her heart, send her love and I send her love regularly. And I'm just even just placing your hand on your heart for the loved ones that you can't be with. And when you place your hands on your heart and you intentionally just put that love out there to them, it will go to them. They will feel it. They, they do. I, I also asked my mom to come in my dreams and she has a couple times. Yeah. And it's finding ways to connect um, on a spiritual level when we can't be with them physically. I hope you are feeling more held and more just normal, I guess, in the state that you may be in right now in in those feelings of grief and loss I think we're all having them to various degrees so yeah so reach out to Hannah at endandafter.com she has just participated in a five-day summit I think um, for animal communicators so that is available at her website the recordings of all those sessions are available at her website if that's something that's of interest to you you can definitely go check that out there and learn more about all the things and more that Hannah talked about today 
And I'd also like to invite you to some of our live outdoor events happening in the Calgary area in Fempreneurland. You can check all of that out at fempreneurland.com slash events. And I'll see you real soon again here on the podcast, hopefully over on Instagram at YYC Fempreneurs. And yeah, just keep being a woman that supports other women. You will gain so much fulfillment and knowledge and, you know, financial stability just from being someone who gives openly of their knowledge and is willing to share the stuff that's working for them with other fempreneurs. And if there's someone that you think I should interview here on the podcast, please reach out to me, connect me with her. Um, Would love to have, you know, someone that you recommend as a guest here on the Fempreneur Marketing Podcast. Bye for now.